everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thank you for joining us on episode 101. 101 episodes of uh, conversations, raw, authentic, generally unscripted, unplanned, or unrehearsed. Molly prepares for everything. I do not. She springs everything on me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, conversations about life kids parenting life liberty marriage. and the pursuit of happiness no i was not going to say that on purpose um we have four children ages 11 through four and we live in montana and we homeschool and we do judo and we ski and we mountain bike and um we garden you yeah garden. we do garden mm-hmm. you garden you're a good gardener well, every day is a fresh start says your tank top right now that's true. That's true. I bought this actually more as a like a parenting thing than a gardening thing, even oh. though it has flowers on it. <laughs> yeah, I've always I've always like you know, I've always thought about the fact that there's all these resets. God gives us all of these resets during the during our lifetimes. We have years, we have hours, we have minutes, months, days, weeks. You know, everything kind of resets at some point back to zero, kind of starting with with the day or with the hour. Um, it's just interesting to me, you know, on that topic of days and hours and stuff, this is sort of, I, I, I need to study the history of this. Actually, somebody out there who is smart and nerdy probably knows this, but I was working with Titus on some math review today and he, it, it's interesting to me that the American system of time and of measurement goes in units of 12. So he was filling out charts for how many minutes are in one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. And I was like, count by six and add a zero to the end of it. And then he was filling out how many inches are in one foot, two foot, three foot, four foot. And then how many months are in one year, two year, three year. And I was like, literally, he went from feet to minutes to months and I you're counting by 12s in both of those M- which minutes? is not minutes so month no you skip the minutes is by oh, 60 six yeah. but then but then counting by months and by feet by inches in terms of converting it to feet is both in units of 12 and I don't know if that's some sort of weird accident that the person who invented these things but clearly the way the, the year works is a way God designed the world because it took the the Romans hired Egyptians to help them fine tune. They had a 10 month calendar and the Egyptians expanded it to a 12 month calendar. I learned this in our school last year and which is why December is decim is 10, right? That was the 10th month in the Roman calendar. But then the Egyptians added a couple on October was the eighth month, but it's our 10th month sep. September was like a, it was the seventh month. Uh, August was named after Caesar Augustus. <laughs> so maybe that was what it, Jul- July was Julius Caesar. Um, but, but di- the, the way God designed, God loves the number 12, 12 disciples, 12 tribes of Israel, the cubes in the new Jerusalem mm. are bases of seven and 12 and even when you, what else was Titus counting by? Well, even like minutes, counting by minutes, 60, 120, that's half of 
the the 12 basis, right? So he kept getting these numbers over and over. And I just thought, wow, it's really fascinating. The amount of consistency. Because well, we always mock the American, you know, system. Right, because everybody in the world's metric. Because it makes, us. metric makes, is so much simpler. Mm-hmm. But then the, the counting on the basis of 12, there's maybe even a term for that. I don't know what it is. But there's, I don't know. Anyway. It, well, you know, one plus, I mean, in addition to God loving the number 12, one plus two equals three. And three times four is 12. <laughs> and three is a trinity. So. For, and three plus three is six. And the number of this. Of and the six threes is, is the six, devil. Six, six, six. So. Actually, I read, I read, um, I'll, I'll say his name, Brian Matson's mm-hmm. newsletter a couple weeks ago. So JR has a longtime friend like they were buddies homeschooling growing up and brian is now a professor at westminster seminary in philly and also kind of a freelance theologian at large with another organization but we get his newsletter it's called the square inch after kuiper's god is sovereign over every square inch and he he said that there's a lot of scholarly evidence and writing that to that you can translate Nero numerically into six six six. And so he believes that when at the time of Nero, most Christians believed that six 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 represented Nero hmm. as the Antichrist. And Interesting. I didn't read it thoroughly enough to give a thorough argument for, here, but anyway, going for on. For a lot of numbers. years, I did film production, and um, everything is done. You've got frame rates, and so not only is math difficult when it comes down to like how long something is going to be with 60s, but you're dealing with frame rates. So now I've got 24 frames a second, so how many minutes, how many frames in a minute, and you know, doing all those complicated Adding this to that, it's just it makes your head hurt after a while. All of the all of the random calculations. So I feel Titus on that one. He actually was enjoying his math today, which is if you guys have known Titus in math, he he has struggled with it. But we continue we've continued doing it a couple days a week throughout the summer. And because his brain is not focused on other schoolwork He's actually able to enjoy his math, I think, because his brain is at rest and only has to stress out about one thing. And this is a review at the end of a chapter that we were doing these charts and stuff. And he he kind of whipped through them and was like, maybe I'll do another half a page, mm. which during the school year is a battle to get him to even finish one well, page, let alone a couple. I've always noticed with him particularly, he sits down and do a page of problems or something in his book and he just wants to like just tear his hair out. And then casually, if you're working through something that he enjoys like mountain biking or construction, there's math involved, he'll whip out the answer without even thinking twice about it. Yeah. It's like, he's, dude. he's got one of those brains. I can't remember the term for it now. He's got one of those brains that has, has to be tangible. It can't be hypothetical at all. Like if you say, what's 10 take away five, he has no idea even to this day. But if you say, if there's 10 cars in the parking lot and five of them drive away, how many cars are left? And he's like, well, there's five cars left. He has no problem if he can put it 
to something tangible, mm -hmm. but hypothetical. So he'll he'll be terrible at calculus if he ever gets to that level. But I never went there. Forget it. I actually nope. I enjoyed the hypothetical stuff. I I'm don't. all about the hypothetical world, and then living in the real world <laughs> comes crashing down on me. <laughs> Speaking of living in the real world, I have had several... I was thinking of this right before I came down to record with you. It wasn't in my planned conversation, but I was scrolling through Instagram while comforting Faith, who had just gotten a massive head bonk. She's going to have a goose egg from it. Oh, I'm it's sure. my fault. It, I came up behind her. She's watching Ninjago. She's just super cute. She's sitting at my desk, which she's has a granite your desk, countertop. And she's sitting low in the chair. And I grab her, I grab her head and I start messing up around. I was like, hey, Faith, your hair is so crazily cute. And as I'm running my hands through her hair, she's pressing into my hands. And my hands come up over the top of her head. No more resistance on her forward pressure. Right into the she edge of the countertop. She slammed her head into a granite countertop. So right horrible. on her eyebrow. So I was comforting her and I was scrolling through Instagram and somebody that I know, I would consider her an acquaintance. I've met her a couple of times in person as all, well, but she lives here locally and we have a lot of mutual friends. She just posted a reel or a story in her stories and she was like, I haven't posted much here update lately. We are, we're surviving, not thriving, definitely not thriving, but we're surviving and I've had a couple of other conversations with people recently where they they have made similar comments. So I don't know if it's just the busyness of summer and lots of people at judo last night. JR wasn't feeling well, so I took the kids to judo and encountered a couple of moms that I haven't talked to for a while. And hey, how you doing? Hi, we're doing okay. It's just the summer's so busy and it's gone so fast and we've got like two more things and then school starts. I don't know where the summer's gone and I'm so exhausted and I've got to go drop the twins off at eight, an eight hour drive away in two weeks. And then I, four days later, I have to go get them and that's a two day, you know, out and back drive and, and then school starts and whew, and we had a family vacation, which is super stressful. We want to do it with a family and the, you know, like just this theme of surviving, not thriving seems to be something going with the moms I've talked to I, in the last few days. Well, I, yes. And I was actually contemplating how busy. So kind of not everything in my world, but right now I calculate how busy I am by how much studio time I get. And roughly it amounts to about three hours a week of time in the studio. And I don't, I haven't been keeping my bullet journal. If you guys remember back in episode 50 or 60 or something, I started keeping a bullet journal. So I haven't been tracking what I'm doing every day with my time, but I know I'm not sitting around um, surfing the web or reading books or taking naps. Like there's no leisure going on here. It is all work and it's just constant. And so as I've been contemplating all of this, I've been trying to think through like Molly and I sat down and actually looked through our schedule for kind of the rest of the summer because I was mapping out when I'm doing, uh, when I've got various um, audio gigs and we're like, booked literally like september that's what this mom pointed out to me she said i said when when does school start for you guys because i usually roughly try to start school mm -hmm. around the same time as the public schools and she pulls out her phone she says well i go back to school on august 22nd and my son standing here goes back to school on the 24th and i was like oh <laughs> we're not starting school we're gonna be away a good two weeks behind you just right off the bat because we're going well at least in our, solid. I think there's a unique cultural thing here in 
Montana, where we live. Um, you have to cram in all the fun. Yes, your your summer months, your your summer months are like roughly Memorial Day through Labor Day, but it kind of works out to more like we can spend regular time outside, like middle of June through end of September, early November is kind of our spending season. time outside. But Billings schools go back to right. school. Billings go, but I'm but what I'm saying is. We carry on normal lives all year long. And then summer comes, and I was telling this to somebody else, that we don't have, like, for instance, the cabin. We don't have the cabin. That's not an option in the winter. So we don't, that's not on our list of things to do. So in order to feel um, like we're getting time yeah, out of it. Going mountain biking or going to a lake or and going camping. And when JR says or, we don't have the cabin, he means that we physically cannot access access it without snowmobiles. Right. Until after Memorial and Day, and even then, it's completely snow, frozen. And the water system is frozen solid, and so we would be literally melting snow or hauling water in, which and there is an outhouse, so we would be using the outhouse exclusively until after Memorial Day, and then after Labor Day, it turns into a hunting camp. So we yes. have three months to maximize all of our time at the cabin in the mountains. So when we're quite literally not doing anything at home, we're probably at the cabin. So now we've got two extra things that we would normally never do that are very involved things on top of our normal lives. Well, I would would actually add other things. Like our friend Ty takes us rafting Mm -hmm. a lot. And now we have two. It came today. Your second paddleboard. So we have, we go paddleboarding on the Yellowstone river alongside him. And the river is too high to raft or paddleboard on until mid-July, especially yeah. this year. Oh, especially this is going to be the end of July this so year. So literally, you can Maybe. raft, canoe, paddleboard, kayak, whatever, on the Yellowstone River that runs right through Billings. So it's very convenient, but it, it's like a half-day activity. You only have, at the most, half of July, August, and September until it starts getting cold. And sometimes it snows here in September. So, like, any water sports in Montana are limited to, like, a two-and-a-half-month, maybe three-month season. And, you know, our next-door neighbors have a big boat, and they load up family, and they go out to the lake, and they do it. They both work full-time, so they do it almost every weekend. They're out on their boat, and that's – they love it, and in order to make the time to do that, and they have boys who are Titus and Lily's age, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to – do that family time and make that a priority as a family, that means they're not home at least one day out of two every weekend. So, yeah, it's Montana summers are crazy because people are trying to squeeze all the things in. And it that's the same for us. We're, yeah. And we try not, like I actually told somebody the other day, I was like, I kind of want COVID to come back. And they're like, what? I mean, not <laughs> actually covid But the state of lifestyle during COVID when nothing was open and you literally, you, you quite literally had nothing to do because everything was closed. Nobody was pursuing anything. And all you, like I spent every day in the studio working on music or something. It was awesome. I mean, not every day, but it was lovely. Yeah, but that was for like, what, a month until we in Montana were like, we're going to move on with our lives. And it was longer than a month. Well, for me, for me, there was a psychological thing for me because it wasn't. I wasn't out. I, there was nothing to pursue career-wise, so I could focus on kind oh, of just... Oh, that's true. I guess it was basically March through Memorial Day when yeah. things in Montana were pretty low-key or quiet. Um, So I actually was going somewhere with the surviving 
conversation. Surviving, not thriving. Yeah. Do you feel like we're surviving or thriving right now? That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> depends on the hour. I mean, I know you're going somewhere with the conversation, but since you brought it up. Yeah. No, I, I think we're somewhere in between. And for me, it's, it's less of a, what's the state of how we're doing and more the state of how is my soul. And I've realized that I experience stress very physically and so I get tightness in my chest and I feel myself breathing shallowly. And I've, I felt that this morning because I just had a couple of things weighing on me. And so I like my breathing was shallow and my chest was tight. And um, so that's part of why I went outside in 90 some degree heat and weeded for like 20 minutes. Just give me some fresh air, get me something physical and something satisfying to do. Um, but... But for me, the question is, there's a little bit of a question of what's the state of our home and the floor needs vacuumed horribly. This is part of the reason. It's been a couple episodes, and by a couple I mean quite a few, since we've raved about our Dyson animal uh, vacuum. But I have a Dyson animal. Doesn't everybody have Dyson's animals? No, they, no they don't. It's amazing how many people don't. But it, and part of it is because they're so expensive. They are, but really they're expensive. they're and ours have been gifts from Molly's parents. It, but which is but we so we ran one into the ground, uh, because we use I use it literally mm. every day, if not multiple times a day. I haven't used it yet today, but Lily vacuumed their bedroom with it, and it's great because it's cordless, so it's battery operated. It hangs on the wall while it charges, so it's very easy to charge. The charge goes for. 10 to 20 minutes depending on what power level you're using it on and the head is completely uh it rotates really easily and so you can without moving chairs you can vacuum under chairs and stools and stuff and it i feel like our lives are getting a little bit out of control when i haven't vacuumed the floor on any given day which is funny you guys might think like well that's normal somebody normal would vacuum their floor every day but for me i'm not a clean freak even remotely but we just have such dirty lifestyles that the kids track stuff in and we have two black cats and a black dog. And so we get clumps of black hair in certain corners of our house that the wind flow must just move hair to corners of you our guys, house. There's a joke sometimes that, you know, of, of lifestyle in my world, whether it's ski patrolling or mountain biking or whatever, you know, the dirtbag lifestyle where you live out of a van, you never shower and you just go play all the time outside. And I don't really find it that offensive because I really feel like we lived like if there was a home-based dirtbag lifestyle, it totally feels We're a little bit home-based. <laughs> and also, I am a mom who totally thinks that you can stretch not showering by a couple of extra days if you've gone swimming and gotten your hair wet. <laughs> so the kids can, if the kids go swimming and get their hair wet, they can buy a couple extra days of not showering. But so I think we're somewhere in between surviving and thriving. And I also rate that based on how well I'm balancing the kids having a routine and doing chores and doing I'm making them do math and ideally some English, but I'm I haven't been consistent at that this summer, as well as music practice since the lovely Laura is teaching violin to our girls and uh, we're not great at any of that, but we do manage to do it a couple of times a week and without too much screaming and fighting. 
<laughs> so that's more how I rate how we're doing personally. But I I was thinking about that because while I was thinking about right after I'd seen the I'm surviving, not thriving comment from my acquaintance on Instagram, I was switching out the laundry and I remembered how on the way home from judo last night, our kids were commenting on how dirty several other kids in their classes' geese are. Like, this kid's gi is visibly dirty. This kid's gi stinks. The gi, you guys, is... It, Titus's gi is blue. Some stinky It can be either there. blue or white. Generally, they're white. And so, just think about people in martial arts. White uniform, the heavy cotton. In judo, it's a very heavy cotton. And thick. And if you're older, like JR or Titus, you sweat in it, so you get the sweat marks around the collar of it and if you're like us you eat snacks on the way home in it and so you get chocolate smears and whatever else smears on your white ghee and jr has i i cannot take credit for this at all jr has the kids in a habit of we do judo on tuesday nights and thursday nights they get home on thursday night and they put their ghee in the washing machine when they our laundry room is also our mud room that is the entryway in from our garage so you come in the mudroom, you put your ghee in the washing machine, and it gets washed and hung to dry so it's ready for Tuesday. This is not my pattern. This is not my life rhythm. Uh, having disciplined life, life rhythms is not my strong suit. <laughs> and so Jared has created this pattern. And so our kids, generally speaking, have fairly clean and not smelly geese because you can't get a ghee super smelly in two practices. And there's only so much chocolate you can spill on it. And if it's that egregious... I will wash the ghee in the middle. But our kids, you know, I talk sometimes about that how self-righteousness manifests itself in the I'm better than you sort of form. And I I feel like our kids were getting a little bit of ghee righteousness, clean ghee righteousness. Oh, serious? Which is like, I'm, we're better than these kids who don't wash their geese. Okay. First of all, kids, here's a great experience. I, I haven't told them this. Because this is, just came to me literally right before I came downstairs. But uh, this is like imputed righteousness, kids. You don't wash your own geese. <laughs> you don't take get to take credit for your sparkling white geese. <laughs> you don't do the cleaning. This is imputed gee righteousness. This is not gee self-righteousness. You're taking credit for something that is not your own. Also, I just started thinking, okay, the kids that they're complaining about, like I was talking to this mom at class and their lives are crazy right now. Like I am completely unsurprised that this kid's ghee hasn't been washed in a while, given what's going on in their home life. Mm -hmm. I am not surprised that based on the fact that grandma drops this kid off or grandpa drops this kid off at judo, I'm not surprised that his ghee isn't cleaned regularly because I don't even know what mom and dad look like. And the humility that comes with recognizing there's a probably a whole story behind every kid with a dirty gi and also even though you have a clean gi <laughs> there's a lot of messiness going on in your life as well so don't feel so great about yourself for your clean gi because you could be a mess behind the scenes too it just so happens that you or your mom or your dad has it together in this one little slice of life right now. Hmm. <laughs> and 
I I might actually take the chance to point that out to the kids if at some point, but uh, just that, you know, I'm sensitive to the ways that we justify ourselves in order to feel okay about our lives. And because we have a deep internal need to feel okay Mm -hmm. and we will adjust expectations and we create a totally sliding scale of what is good and what is bad based on what makes us feel or look good compared to other people. So, you know, I've used this example before, but I, you know, it's okay that I'm late to church because I'm comfortable in, you know, in myself and I don't have to feel good about myself by being on time to church. But if I'm on time to church, I'm going to feel better about myself than all of those lazy people who can't get out. It's summer. Come on. It's not even Sunday school. How could you not drag your kids to church by 10 a.m.? Uh, you know, so no matter where I stand, I can always create a sliding scale to make myself better than somebody else. And that includes the gee thing. You know, if our kids had dirty geese, they would look at kids with clean geese and be like, how, you know, how anal are your parents that they make you wash your geese all the time? You know, so there's just this constant adjustment of what is good or what is right in our own hearts in order to make ourselves better than somebody else. And that was evidenced in gee righteousness last night on our way home. That's really funny. <clears throat> yeah, sort of funny, but just evidence of the human heart. I I mean, it's easy to find. <clears throat> it's easy to find righteousness in things, you know. A, a, a very, very shallow... Or at least put yourself on another pedestal. Yeah, yeah the, it's such a shallow, fragile sense of righteousness, though, that we have to be constantly adjusting it in order to keep ourselves on top. Yeah. Or... We, you know, the opposite end of that is if if we don't understand what a gift imputed righteousness is, that I get to wear a clean gi to judo because somebody else washes it regularly for me and makes sure that I have a clean gi every Tuesday and Thursday. If we don't understand what a gift of grace righteousness is, then we feel we can wallow and feel badly about ourselves because we never measure up to anything, which is also a false set of standards and a very fragile sense of self. Anyway, speaking of that sense of self, I have an article from, I think it's from the Gospel Coalition, saved in my my Brave browser, because I'm not using DuckDuckGo anymore. I have 62 windows open what, on my phone. What, what search engine do you use for DuckDuckGo then? I, or sorry, for Brave. I don't know. Because DuckDuckGo isn't can be a browser but it's mostly a search engine yeah i don't know what i'm using is brave not its own search engine no oh it probably uses google now then yeah probably now i'm gonna have to look it up anyway sorry uh, i'm i have a ton of gospel coalition ones open and one of them is about uh teenagers and developing a sense of self recently and that's a topic that i've been thinking a lot about is while well, I'm reading Carl Truman's book, Strange New World, just the idea of how do we help teenagers or kids, in our case, who are growing up to be teenagers, develop um, an appropriate sense of self in what Truman points out is a highly psychologized age. And most sense of self is supposed to come within 
and your moral standard as well as your sense of who you are and who you should become is from within. And that's a burden that the self was not designed to bear. The self was designed to get identity from external sources and external cues, such as our family, our faith, our culture, and things like that. And uh, anyway, I haven't read that much lately, but I was just throwing that out there as kind of accountability to read that and follow up. Uh, you shopping on Amazon for Prime Day at all? No, I was. I had a couple things sitting in my cart, waiting. One of them was a mattress for the cabin because so Molly and I had this. Jim and Kitty, when they first built her parents, when they first built the cabin, brought up a bunch of beds, and Molly and I have since kind of adopted one of the rooms when we go up and. It's actually two twins that are put together, and then there was a mattress pad, a foam mattress pad on top that now is, I think the kids are using it on their top bunk of the van. Um, it's really uncomfortable, and it just killed. I'd wake up with just a super locked up, stiff back, so got rid of it. Now I don't have that, but I don't sleep very well because the bed is super like old school twin firm, so um, I had a mattress I was going to buy. I, I was keeping an eyeball, but none of them came up on amazon prime day and then uh dickie's work shorts now that i'm doing a bunch of like i've got these nice rei rei camping shorts but i can't mm-hmm. can't hook like tools to them because <laughs> they fall down <laughs> and i can't wear belts and so it's like well these shorts aren't very practical so i was waiting hoping to get a couple of those on uh, amazon prime but they weren't on a prime either so hmm. i was like well whatever speaking so of which, no no prime yeah. day deals i've spent uh, I've spent enough money on life. Um, the van was in the shop and I'm super thankful it was not a $2,700 bill, but instead a $300 bill. So that made me super happy. Okay. Got that cool. one. You? Uh, I am looking at some popsicle bags. So like, what are the, the Otter Pops? Mm-hmm. But ones that I could just fill with straight juice because our kids mm. have been going through popsicles like it's their job lately so to do them with straight juice would be um a desirable thing for i'm me. trying to stay away from amazon anyway but i, I did just buy some high temp 3m tape for the van because the screen on the outside the sun would hit it and the adhesive would just fall right off i really have not adhesive. purchased anything except an occasional thing from amazon in a while but there's there's a couple of other random things like a uh book of timelines which Titus absolutely loves history, and I think he would love seeing things juxtaposed or like the history of pirates in the Caribbean sort mm-hmm. of thing. So there's a timeline of piracy in the Caribbean mm. or a timeline of the whole history of Egypt all put together. So I think he would find that interesting. And there's a couple of other... There's a gal I follow with Instant Pot recipes, and she suggested a couple of Instant Pot accessories that I'm contemplating. But nice. That's it. Uh, I discovered from this same gal that she, when she takes her kids, she has five kids. When she takes them on an outing, she uses Otter Pops. Well, she uses like a juice, just straight juice version of Otter Pops. Mm -hmm. And she sticks them in hydro flasks that are tall enough to hold them. And at the end of an outing or for an afternoon snack, she pulls these Otter Pops out of a hydro flask and they're still frozen. So I tried that out. The last time we drove to the cabin, we drove to visit Ty, who was working an hour out of Billings, 
and I popped some Otter Pops into a tall, skinny Hydro Flask. And when we got to Columbus, which was a little over an hour away, they were still perfectly frozen in... I mean, they'd been in an AC car, but it was 90 degrees outside, and they were still frozen. So I was thinking for days when we're out on the river or something, popping some Otter Pops in a Hydro Flask would be kind of a fun option so that's the main That'd reason i'm option. shopping for those we should do the same babies. thing but with like grapefruit vodka mm-hmm. we absolutely could do that <laughs> we absolutely could do that yummy popsicles yeah rafting so, popsicles so the other main thing that i have been thinking about for the last few days is a conversation i started on our telegram channel well, yeah you blew up tell you blew up telegram a couple times Well, the main one, so here's the background, you guys, for those of you guys who aren't on the Telegram channel, but I, I, Macy Gray, what's the big song that she sang? The one she was most famous for. Oh. You can look that up while I talk. It's in my, like, I've got it just right on the tip of my head here. uh, Tip of my brain. She's had that great, kind of raspy, deep voice. She did this Don't interview. Don't cry if I stumble. Um, that doesn't sound familiar uh, to me. Yes. Anyway. I try. Yes. Yes. I try to say goodbye. Anyway, I don't. I can't remember it enough to even remotely try to sing it. But mm-hmm. so Macy Gray, whom I hadn't heard of in ages, she did this interview with Piers Morgan, who's always controversial, right? And it's. I don't even know the context, right? We live in a soundbite society, and I'm totally guilty of this. She gets asked, what is a woman? Or something about transgenders, or something, or she brings it up on her own. I don't know the context. She says, this. the clip that went viral says, "I. it doesn't matter if you change your parts, you're still not a woman. And all of these conservatives, of course, are like, yeah, because she's right, it doesn't matter if you change your parts down at the cellular level. Every cell in your body still says I'm a man or I am a woman. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. you cut off or what sort of surgery you try to do or what sort of hormones you pump into your system to try to overpower nature. You still at core are trying to overpower nature because every cell in your body says I'm a man or I'm male or I'm female. So she's, she gets that right couple days later, she's doing a walk-back apology tour. And I I don't have any clips that I can send you to share, but if you're interested in seeing the clips, just search on YouTube or whatever your favorite search is. Probably, you could probably find it anywhere. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever you like to look at look short videos on. She's doing this walk-back tour, and basically she ends up saying that being a woman is a vibe. It's not anything rooted in biology. It's not anything you can tangibly pinpoint, but it's a vibe. And her body language changed so much from change your body parts, you're still not a woman, to I mean, it's being a woman is a vibe. You could almost picture the people who had forced her to do this apology to her glowering over her. And it, it, for one thing, it's totally a live not by lies thing 
because you could almost bet your life savings. I wouldn't say bet your life savings on almost anything, but you could almost bet your life savings on, I don't know, maybe you could because it's not going to be worth anything due to inflation soon anyway. But (laughs) the fact that she still in her heart knows that the first statement she made was true. But live not by lies. If we make you say this thing that you patently know is untrue enough, and you say it out loud, you we can break your spirit, and we convince we can convince you that two plus two is five. If you say it enough, even though you know it's not true, you start believing it, and other people start following along with saying two plus two is five. So, it was a very live not by lies moment, and who knows what power was wielded on her to make her say that. But also what came to mind as I was watching the second video was second Timothy one seven, which look, I'm not brilliant enough in scripture that I just knew it was second Timothy one seven. I had to do a word search and figure out where this came from, but it's Paul talking to Timothy and he says, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline or self-control, depending on your on your translation. And so I looked it up and, you know, it's Paul talking to Th- Timothy. And it's, it's actually very apropos to that conversation. Of course, I don't think Macy Gray is a believer and Paul is talking to believers who have the Holy Spirit living in them. And that's where the spirit of power, love, self-control come from. But, but... The spirit of the age versus living in truth. And how do you not live by fear? You live by, in, the, in, in Paul's words to Timothy, by power, by love, and self-discipline. And so the question I threw out to our Telegram friends is, biblically speaking, what is the opposite of fear? And I didn't give them any context. I just thought, is this, is power, love, and self-control in a biblical sense, the opposite of fear. And I, and then I went to bed because I didn't really have time to, to think and to do much of a word search. And I woke up in the morning to a delightful number of thoughtful responses that included Kim saying the first word that comes to mind is freedom because Christ shall set you free. Dinah says the first word that popped into my head was hope. Hope and fear look to the future with different attitudes. The second was trust, which is then uh, who went on? Was it Phil or Eric? Phil went on and said faith and trust. You know, when you, and it that depends on the object of your faith. Uh, um, let's see. Joel said courage. Uh, Laura pointed out that the op- the biblical opposite of fear depends on the context a woman who fears the lord is to be praised and the opposite of fear is pride arrogance or blindness and let's see what other faith thoughtful comments did we get um anyway i so i started and then dinah pointed out that that a lot of these comments and things are fruit of the spirit or related to fruit of the spirit. So, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And both love and self-control are mentioned in the Second Timothy passage. That 
So you, <clears throat> yes, and you had a couple of comments. One of them was that Second Timothy one seven comes to mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, is it what version is that? Uh, I don't know. I just ES, pulled it up. ESV I pulled it up random, and this is NIV. Really? Um, the old NIV. What's mm-hmm. in my heart from the old NIV? And you're always supposed to follow your heart is, <laughs> that okay. was a joke, so, is self-discipline. Okay. So it's so, interesting. Right. I've never so heard the sound mind part before. Second Timothy 1.7, NIV, for the spirit of God gave us, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's, um, that's right. NIV. That's, that's NIV. Be... Hold on. Do you have an old NIV handy? The NAS... For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and of discipline. And the ESV, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power of love and self-control. King okay, James, I don't want to get into... For God hath, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of sound mind. I'll bet that's an NKJV... It's the New King James Version is God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of sound mind. The reason I bring that up. Self-discipline. Yes. Okay. Um, well, not the reason I bring it up, but self-discipline or um, it'd be interesting to see. What's the what's the Greek behind sound mind? I don't Do know. You know. Okay. I don't know. Because um, obviously if one translation is self-discipline, the other is sound mind, then there's some nuance there right but also no no no. go back to i might have to pause this and go get an an, an 84 niv because now it's just bugging me you're reading so all online versions now of the niv are the newer nivs and the niv that you just read also made made a statement that was very different than all of the other versions that you read and it wasn't just the sound mind part it was the spirit that god gave us so the other ones don't mm-hmm. necessarily explicitly refer to the Holy Spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But the that NIV that you read sounded like... Read the beginning of that NIV again. I'll go back to NIV. NIV, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Is spirit capitalized there? Yes. I don't think it's capitalized in any other version. Um, it's not I'm just going that to version. Be right back, I'm getting an old NIV because I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna pull out my Greek because that would require way too much thought right now. I'm gonna talk to you guys about something that's been sitting on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Tell them we're gonna magically. We're just gonna magically edit here in a minute.
hang it up. Oh. Is that an 84? I hope so. Get out. This is the only NIV uh, I know, could find. We could make a lot of money on that. Maybe. We're going to have to start shopping on eBay <laughs> if it's not an 84. Well, look it up. This is it the should only, be in the middle. This is the only print edition I could find of the NIV. This is for those of you guys who are... Um, Nineteen eighty-four. Wow. Yep. That's worth some okay. money, you guys. Well, interestingly enough, this is a Spirit of the Reformation Study Bible that was copyrighted in two thousand three. Wow, is this that old? I didn't realize I had. So why you look that up? I made a sweatshirt logo, hoodie logo, and T-shirt on our website, and it just says, and it was kind of inspired by COVID and all the madness, and somewhat based on. Um, Rod Dreher's book, Live Not By Lies. And it just says, live in truth. And the graphic is a part part brain, part heart, in more of a tattoo style. So part brain, part heart, because some of it was inspired by the idea of, by the idea of being of a sound mind and having your heart oriented in the right place. But it requires critical thinking. And also, for me... Um, a lot of the fear discussion and living not in fear is where is your heart at? Where is your heart oriented? Where's the orientation of your, uh, maybe it's going back to the object thing. Where's the orientation of what's important to you? What's value and what do you know that's true? Um, using these two critical pieces of heart and mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What'd you discover? Okay, so 1984 NIV, for God did not give us a spirit, lowercase s, of timidity, but a spirit of, also a lowercase s, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And the notes here say timidity or cowardice. Timothy apparently had a natural reticence toward assertiveness in his teaching, and the gravity of the situation in Ephesus required strength and courage. It also, if you go back up in context, verse 6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, which is clearly a reference to the Holy Spirit. And in the footnote for verse 6 says, This strong expression suggests that Timothy was being less forceful than he should have been <coughs> in using the spiritual gift that God had given him. Paul's words to Timothy indicate that believers are responsible for nurturing and developing the work of the Spirit, capital S, Spirit, in their lives. Just as it is possible to squench the Spirit, First uh, Thessalonians 5.19, it is possible to fan the Spirit's gift into flame. So it's, it, it's, God did not give us a spirit of timidity. It's possibly a reference to the Holy Spirit, but it's more the your spirit in you is in your own characteristics and how you're living out things and those anyway. So it's mm. interesting the liberties that the new NIV There's been takes. discussions. Oh, on, I know. I know. Yeah, I didn't want to turn this into too is, much of a new but, NIV thing, but I find it interesting even in that one verse that you just pulled up at random how interpretive that verse I didn't is. pull that verse up at random. You posted no, it no, on no. the... Oh. 
No, if, you know, when if you're going to go looking for issues with oh. the night with the newer NIV, you wouldn't necessarily think 2 Timothy 1.7, that's going to be the test one, you know? Yeah, right. It's going to be, the test ones are more like, are they going to refer to God as Father, or, you know, when, when the Greek is referring to dear brothers, is it going to say dear brothers and sisters just to feel politically correct, even though everybody up until 19, after, you know, the mid you know, late 20th century, women completely understood when Paul said, dear brothers, that it's implying, you know, or men, it's referring to the general Mm -hmm. mankind, not men and women and everybody on the spectrum in between, (laughs) you know, and so I wouldn't have thought that that 2 Timothy 1.7 would be a good test for it, but it's very interpretive compared to the other Versus and even to say sound mind is very different than every other translation that you read. Anyway, that was a little bit beside the point. Thanks for hanging in there with us, guys. I'm a little bit out of breath from running up and then down the stairs to look for the only, apparently, 1984 NIV in our possession. We will guard it. Or the treasure. only NIV in our possession, maybe. I, I came like to I the was... marriage with a bunch of NASB and NKJV because Awana. You did. You had a Ryrie Awana, study Bible. Awana was NKJV. Yep, it was. So unless, my... unless you had a mom who was very forward thinking and who printed out and taped NIV over the NKJV in your Awana books. And I'll tell you what. And I'm grateful for that mom. I very got. Grateful. I. I did you have sparks crown in your uh, jewels in your crown righteousness like I did? Oh yeah, for sure. I had like three crowns. Um, no, I got flamed hard. I mean, I got knocked down because um, apparently my verse memorization wasn't good enough for our church leadership <laughs> course. It wasn't I everybody. Them, there were unless certain I, people. Yep. You couldn't mix and match. Mm, couldn't your mix and match. Couldn't has to be. Mm, mm, has to be. Uh, I think they were doing everything in NIV. They were strictly. Yes, NIV. our former pastor was said, hardcore NIV. NIV, and because I didn't know him in NIV, I was a failure. Knowing them in NKJV does not count, and I think that's stupid. But that's another another conversation. You were also trying to memorize them in a different translation. You were mixing the translations up, just like I just did with Sound Mind. Because it wouldn't let me. It's so dumb, you guys. Anyway, we're not going to get bitter and gripe um, here. But well, no, I'm not finished. I'm not quite finished with the okay. fear conversation. Oh, good, good. Because we still have ten minutes. Well, it's not going to take probably ten minutes. But okay. I just thinking more about what is biblically the opposite of fear is maybe not quite the right question. Because the right question is, how do I move from fear to living in faith? Because I mm. think that that is, that that's the right framing. And that those are the right opposites. That living in fear, and I think it was Eric on the Telegram channel who pointed out that fear is related to anxiety and the New Testament speaks a ton about what we're to do with our anxiety. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, my go-to with anxiety is Philippians 4. So do, do not be anxious about anything. But and here I'm going to get all of my versions mixed up again. Do not be anxious no about everything. But in everything, by prayer and petition or supplication, present your requests to God. And 
the God of peace will be with you. So there's two really important things there if you're thinking about anxiety, which on the spectrum is low ever low key or ramped up ever present fear, right? And it the two things are the action step is to present your request to God. And the reason for the action step and the assurance behind the action step is that the God of peace is with you. And so again, there's the the point is faith is the opposite of fear and the reason that you can replace fear with faith is because of the object of your trust. And I think about I was thinking about this with our kids and if they're afraid of something like afraid of a storm or last night poor Elise just she, when she spilled your water at bedtime off of the coffee table there was just the icing on the cake for her from I, I don't even know. You know, she, I literally was like, do you remember the book, Ter- Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't remember it. So I, I sat her down. I couldn't find the book in our children's bookshelves. So I pulled the story up on YouTube and I had her just sit and watch it. And she's like, it me. You know, just, she felt Alexander so deeply in that moment. Just Which is so funny because she's such, she's the child who's unfazed by everything, like almost all the time. Right. But, but she's, when it hits, it hits. She's also the child who, for whom the other, the two older ones rag on her. Yeah. You know, she can't do anything right in their eyes because she's always bugging them. She's always trying to keep up with them. And then I'm ragging on her because she's griping on Faith, the youngest. You know, Faith wants to copy me. Of course she does. You're seven and she's four. That's what four-year-olds do. They don't have an original thought of their own. They look at what somebody else is doing and they want mm-hmm. that. What somebody else has, they want that. They look at what somebody else is doing and they want to do that. It's just, that's developmentally how their brains work. She sees what you're making with modeling clay. And she wants to make that. She uh, she literally can think of nothing else to make the moment she has seen yours. Nothing will please her. Nothing can enter her mind creatively, like, you know, in terms of creativity. Only what she has seen you do will satisfy her. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And you're going to have to live with it or you're not going to get to do clay with her because now you're the one throwing the fit. And she just had enough of those moments and... I don't know. It just, I don't know if something went wrong in judo or if something went wrong after judo. I don't know. Anyway, by bedtime, she was a crying mess. And from that, the book, oh, what's the book called? The Full, The Whole Brain Child. They talk about the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain. And the downstairs brain is the amygdala, the reptilian just reacting brain. And mm-hmm. the upstairs brain is the I can process and think like an adult and I can sort out my feelings. Most adults can, hopefully. Anyway, I can sort out my feelings and a child, when they're in stress, immediately resorts to the to the downstairs brain, the reacting fight or flight brain. And you can't actually reason with a child who is in fight or flight. The only thing you can do is comfort them and be with them and metaphorically and you can train children according to this book to almost mentally walk upstairs in their brains once they've Mm. been brought into a calm mental state Mm -hmm. through identifying with their pain and comforting them then you can metaphorically walk them upstairs in their brain to start sorting out why are you feeling this and 
you know, last night, Elise is too tired to get walked upstairs, metaphorically, in her brain. She just needed to be comforted. She needed to be let known that mom also has experienced I'm a total failure at everything and I just want to lie on the bed and cry moments and Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very good, bad day. Like, this is such a universal feeling that there's a book about it. And you can read the book and you can feel comforted that I'm not the only one in the world who's ever experienced that. And so there's, there's a, my point is there's a deep relational element to resolving our fear and our fear can't be resolved by cold, hard facts. Our fear has to be resolved by, by the relate a relationship with someone who, you know, as a parent, when we're trying to comfort Lily in a storm, who is actually getting better finally this year, praise the Lord, in thunderstorms, she still struggles. She has to visibly suppress her visceral fear at a thunderstorm, but she's actually trying, and she comments on how successful she is with each thunderstorm that we have. Um, but But we can't tell her rationally... You're safe. You're fine. You're in the house. Statistically, you know, you're not going to be struck by lightning. Statistically, you're not going to be, our house isn't going to be blown over by a tornado. No statistics or facts comfort a child who is terrified in a thunderstorm. The only thing that comforts a child terrified in a thunderstorm is a parent loving on her and assuring her and physically being with her. And the thing that amps up the comfort for our fears is not only that we have a heavenly father who listens to us and cares for us and who has a relationship with us, but he's also all powerful over the thunderstorms. That's Mm -hmm. the element that's lacking in our parental comfort. We can't protect our kids from all of the things that they're afraid of, but our heavenly father can and does protect us from evil in his perfect way. And we have to trust his heart in that. But the final point that I want to make is then all of the things that people uh, referenced as viscerally what is the opposite of fear. So Second Timothy, power, love, self-control, courage, joy, freedom. Uh, those things are all the result of... They're, they're the fruit of the Spirit. They're the fruit that you get from growing deep roots in the soil of faith. So there is a put-off, put-on element, but you can't put off, you know, as, as like Paul talks about in Ephesians, put this off, put this on. And you have to have the replacement principle. Like Jesus talks about driving the demons out. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fill the home with good things... <laughs> The demons come back and take control even more than they had before. And there's a certainly an element, if you're in your own power trying to quit porn or something, quit drugs, you know, whatever, quit drinking, whatever it is. If you're just trying to do it in your own power and you don't replace it with something to do in that moment of temptation or something to enjoy in the moment of temptation that's that's good for you, the temptation is going to come back and continue to take stronger hold as well as cast you further into despair. So there is very much in the fruit of the spirit, a put off, put on dynamic, but you can't just put off fear and put on courage, joy, love, freedom, whatever else you want to imagine being the fruit that you see 
when you have put off an unhealthy fear. I'm not talking about fear of the Lord, and which is actually, I think, a good element that we could go on for another half an hour about mixing in in our faith, because our faith needs to be in an almighty, holy God, right? But so we put off fear and we replace it with faith in an almighty God with whom we have an Our Father in Heaven intimate sort of relationship. And the fruit that flows from the, out of that relationship are things like power, love, self-control, freedom, joy, courage, all the other things. But uh, just that final thought of how do we then live this out in a live not by lies sort of world where I think increasingly we are being faced with questions to our own kids in our workspaces and our communities of, you know, I think that there's almost a litmus test right now is how are the Christians in your world responding to the Roe v. Wade Dobbs decision? And when people ask you how you respond to it and you know they're going to disagree with you, is your response one that's rooted in faith and then a, a being ready to give an answer, answer filled with power, love, and self-control mm-hmm. flows out of that? Or is it one that is rooted in fear, which results in loss of identity, loss of integrity, and... Uh, yeah, I can't think of a third adjective there. Sorry. <laughs> Something that starts with I. Yeah. Identity. I think I said identity. Identity, integrity. Did you say identity? Anyway. Huh. Yeah, you guys know anyway, what I mean. You guys, if you want to muse on that topic with all of our other fans and join that said Telegram channel, you can do so. I will leave the link to join that group in the show notes. I will additionally leave a link for Brian Matson's Dr. Brian Matson's The Square Inch, as well as um, a Dyson Animal. <laughs> um, you guys probably know what it is, but it's a really great, great deal. Um, oh, and Roger's book, Live Not Lie Lies. Um, if you want to know what we're talking about there, I'll, those will be included in the show notes. You can also join us on our website and send us a message there. Maybe even order a T-shirt, a Live in Truth T-shirt, or um, people are weirding hard at www.toobusytoflush, all grammatically correct, .com, toobusytoflush.com or www.tb2f.com, tb2f.com. And we do have a social media channel called Instagram. It's at toobusytoflush, all grammatically correct. And we post there ever so faintly often. Um, but anyway, feel free to reach out, reach out to us on one of those channels if you want. Otherwise, stay cool, homies. Yeah, it's really hot here right now. It's not getting below. Yeah, this is like Arizona heat wave in Montana right now. It's dumb. Every day on our forecast is well above 90, as as far as I can go on my iPhone forecast, which is... (gasps) Wow. Have I mentioned it's dumb? You did. It's dumb. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. 